Hello, tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks that benefit our immunity, energy, longevity, and keeping us healthy and enhanced in our lives. Four Sigmatic makes a wide variety of blends, including mushroom coffee, mushroom elixir, hot cacao, matcha, and superfood blends. I believe strongly in this company. I've been taking Four Sigmatic, and it has changed my life. I can't even begin to start my day without a cup of Four Sigmatic in front of me. Right before I meditate or I do anything from speaking engagements to traveling to doing healing on people or just going out in the world and sharing my immense love for this planet and for everyone on it. I feel lit times 1,000. It is literally shifting the energy in my being. I'm talking firing off those synapses, kicking my body into high gear by awakening those electrons, spinning those electrons, getting my body so on point with my focus, my creativity, and my energy. One of the products that I love the most is the Lion's Mane's Coffee. Lion's Mane promotes productivity and focus, and it was known by shamans and monks who take that into their body for meditation, focus, and clarity so they can really tune in to the energies and absorb the knowledge and information that is coming to them from the spirit world. And as you know, on Ancient Wisdom Today, we like to keep it lit all day every day. And how do we do that? By creating magic. And what is magic? Magic is turning up that energy, living our truth, honoring who we are, and doing what's right for us so that we can live a beautiful, powerful, easy, playful, fun, joyous, and just the most powerful life in this now time. So if you don't have Four Sigmatic on your shelf, in your bag, in your briefcase, on the airplane with you, right before you speak, whatever it is that you do, you have to get this. Even for your kids, for your teenagers, pop it in their, in their bag before they go to school. This is the drink that literally makes you think. It is powerful and it is enriched with so many powerful mushrooms and these Adaptogens are literally changing the lives of people. And remember, I've talked to you many times before in the past about mushrooms and the networking system of mushrooms when it gets into your body and just really taking your body to a whole new level. So if you're interested in learning more about this amazing company, because I just really want you to know, Tribe, that everything I share with you, I share with you from my heart because I believe in it and I see what it has done for me and my life and all of my friends and family. Go to foursigmatic.com backslash shaman Durek, and you will get a discount code at your checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com backslash shaman Durek for your 15% off. I love you, tribe. I love you so much. That is the reason why I choose sponsors that are in alignment and authenticity to what this tribe is about. Staying lit, staying focused, staying driven, and changing our planet.
for the good. Love you. Enjoy the share. Bye. Hey tribe, ready for another Lit Verified product? Monk Oil. Monk Oil makes beautiful skin potions for Dusk City Skin Potion that were created to help people navigate modern life. And I've been using them for so many years. Monk Oil City Skin Potion is the real deal magic potion applied to the skin made by N4 City Dwellers in New York City. Monk oil helps us to be our best in all environments, not just when we're told ideal in the situation, but in all times in our life. It's a potion, not a lotion, and it has a direct effect on the outlook and the day. There are four types of city skin potions, each with its specific intention and effect. The potion speaks to different parts of us and work on different levels of the body and the soul and the spirit. Dust City Skin Potion is sexy, passionate potion that helps you embrace your dreams, our sensuality, our true nature with confidence. With Dusk, there are no rules, no genders, no limitations, and true creativity and sensuality is embraced. It brings authentic passion and determination into your days. Monk Oil Dust Potion is for people who want to carve their own path where there is no path. The true trailblazer who are bringing daring new ways of doing things into the world. Think Jimi Hendrix or Swaggered, a warm red blazing sunset leaving the confines of the past behind. And isn't confidence and inner knowing sexy, tribe? Yeah. It's super sexy and it's nice to feel sexy because when you're sexy, you attract powerful energies to you. All monk oil potions are made using ethically sourced organic based oils and essential oils. Each potion has flower essences that work in healing capacities within your life force and a crystal to further activate the potion. They are conjured with love and intention on full moons, new moons, solstices, and equinoxes, and all other cosmically beautiful days in New York City. You can learn more about Monk Oil and their different potions at www.monkoil.com. That's M-O-N-K-O-I-L.com. Monk Oil is excited to offer the tribe 25% off discount on their trios of three different potions with the offer code of TRIOS SHAMAN DURIC. That's T-R-I-O SHAMAN DURIC for those in the U.S. at www.monkoil.com. If you would like to try Monk Oil and live outside of the U.S., check out Raw Living UK online. I'm excited to share these potions with you because I've been using them for such a long time and I feel lit when I do. So get ready to embrace yourself, true trailblazers, and stay lit and ride the lit train. Hello, beautiful tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Uvita. Thousands of years ago, before modern medicine proved scientific evidence for mind and body connection, the sages of India developed Ayurveda, which continues to be one of the most sophisticated, powerful mind and body health systems up to date. And I can begin to tell you, tribe, that 
It's about putting the power back in your hands. And the company that's helping you do that is Uvita. I've been on Uvita for a couple months now so that I can have a healthy gut and be able to clear my gut and be able to have the best digestive system that I can have. Because healing your gut allows the body to build a stronger immune system and produce the right kind of bacteria that tells your brain that it's okay to feel good. And as, as everyone knows, I'm the shaman who likes to stay lit and make sure the tribe is lit all day long. And so it's important for us to feel good in our bodies. And it's important for us to live a very healthy life. Uvita is a company that is doing that. They are utilizing the knowledge and understanding of Ayurveda in their company, wild harvested and organically grown herbs that they synergistically create in an Ayurvedic way to be able to give you what you need for your body to sustain health, wellness, and vitality. Everything that they have in their company is based in integrity, ethically sourced from natives who practice sustainability. And I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to share this with you and to have them be one of the sponsors for Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Their products offer everything from immunity to healthy joints and to healthy mood and healthy digestion and a healthy body. What more can you ask for from a company that is bringing Ayurvedic understanding to the Western world in a way that is supporting us and lifting us and shifting us into the greater possibilities of who we are? So I welcome you to experience Uvita. You can even even contact them by going to their website, which is www.uvita.com. And you make your first order, type in the word shaman, which is their code for the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast tribe. And you will get 35% off on your order for your first order of Uvita. But I'm telling you, the moment you start taking this product, you're going to see dramatic change in your body and the way you feel. And that is the best. And as the tribe knows, I'm all about putting the power back in your hands. So go ahead and check out Uvita and use my code SHAMAN. And until then, live healthy always and every day in your life. Love you. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, beautiful tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I love you. I think you're amazing. I'm happy that you're on this planet together. We are together on this planet. And it's exciting. It's really exciting that we get to usher in the new era of light on planet Earth. It's very, very powerful, and I'm very, very honored to be here and share space with you on this amazing, amazing planet, this beautiful ship that is moving in and around the sun. And I honor you and see you and know you. And so if you ever see me out and about, come up and give me a hug. Give me a kiss. Give me a hug. Hold me in your arms so I can hold you in my arms. And let's share some intimacy and connection together. Because look, we need each other. And that's the truth. So if anyone hasn't told you today that they love you, 
let me be the first to let you know, I love you. So I'm so excited today. And I really want to go into talking about several different things. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about, and I'm going to be t- um, going around and talking about different things. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is autism. Now, for those of you who don't know what autism is, autism is a symptom. It is a part of different people's lives that they go through. And according to the medical world, they see it as a symptom and a a malfunction that is taking place within the uh, neurological system. However, I, of course, as you know, have my own points of view on it from a shamanic perspective. The most important thing is to understand that from the understanding of allopathic medicine or understanding of the the platform of medicine that we operate from or the medical prospect, we look at autism as a complex neurobehavioral condition that includes impairments in social interaction and developmental language, communication skills combined with rigid repetitive behaviors. And because of the range of symptoms that this condition is now called autism spectrum disorder, which is ASD. Now, the thing is, the way I've worked with autistic children for years and have had amazing results. And the thing is that what I've learned from understanding autistic children is that they're not autistic. What they are is operating on a different spectrum in a different frequency length that is not in the same variables or in the same calculations as our own. You see, autistic children are generally special because they're able to see things that we don't see, which are called patterns. Patterns of repetition and energy and the way they're operating is frequency. And what's creating those patterns are distorted energy frequencies that are already happening in any said environment, or it could have been happening from within the structure of the family as well as the environment itself. And if a child becomes autistic, you know, a lot of times uh, children who are autistic, they will um, operate from the range of saying that, you know, it starts with a learning disability. I had a learning disability and um, they thought I was autistic as well. And it just happened to be the fact that the information in the way it was presented to me was not in the way in which I could understand it or see it or relate to it. And so the way that I learn is through... Um, images and through music. And I learn through um, people um, expressing things to me in a very colorful, vivid way. Now, for some students, some people can go in, kids can learn exactly what's being showed to them. And that's because the part of their brain is being able to register that level of information. However, not all brains are the same and some brains have certain abilities. So we have to really look at that. So if we look at a lot of the the symptoms and aspects and conditions that people associate to autism, it's a learning disability, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is ADHD, uh, Tourette syndrome, which is uh, or tic disorder, which I've seen Tourette syndrome and tic disorders in adults who are highly stressed and feel like they have no control of their environment um, because everything's been barding them. And when I say no control, meaning that they're out of control and so that their body is creating this tic because of the high levels of anxiety that are affecting their central nervous system and affecting their sympathetic nervous system as a whole. 
However, again, epilepsy, you know, and a lot of times people have epilepsy because of certain signal frequencies that happen from lights or certain types of flickering that goes on, such as strobe lights or any kind of flickering of lights, you know, but epilepsy has also been a part of the, um, the autism as well as obsessive compulsive disorder. Well, I can tell you, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I am very OCD. Um, however, I'm not going to say that I'm OCD. I'm just giving you an understanding. I'm always correcting and fixing things, washing my hands and doing things. And if by, by the understanding of the medical world, I would be considered OCD. However, I just consider myself someone who is basically operating from a field of seeing my energy and power within the idea of keeping structure and balance in my environment. Um, generalized anxiety disorders, so high levels of anxiety and depression. Now, the thing is, what we have to understand is that, you know, a lot of behaviors that, that people are always looking for in, autist, in autism, which is really, honestly, to each their own perception. But I'm going to give you my perception from the shamanic perspective. So in shamanism, we look at every individual differently. We don't look at everyone as a categorization of everyone is the same and every brain is the same and everyone perceives and sees the world in the same way. Because in truth, it's just not possible and it doesn't exist. In fact, if you say to a friend, hey, I feel what you, what, where you're coming from or I hear and I've been through, some, I've been through you know, that as well, you can't really say that. You can say, I've had a similar experience as according to my own perception of what you have gone through. But in truth, the real truth is, is that you can't have the same perspective because in order for that to happen, you would have to have the same upbringing, the same food that you ate, the same toys you played with, the same environment, the same type of things that happened to you emotionally and the things that you heard mentally and the same type of kinesthetic response, be it from people who touched you or you had affection or things that you went through physically, such as falling down or you know anything of that matter, right? And so why that does is it creates a different perception for each person. And that perception doesn't mean that your perception is exactly as the same. And that's what makes us so unique because all of us have different perceptions. And if we share our different perceptions, we can learn from each other instead of judging each other for seeing the world differently. So when we get into the understanding of those behavioral aspects of restricted and repetitive behaviors are very greatly across the autism spectrum that people usually talk about the most when I meet with doctors and they talk about autism. They always say it always is this, you know, repetitive behavior. But the thing is the repetitive behavior, what they don't understand is a frequency. It's an energy code. And in order for children to be able to come through autism and utilizing those gifts as powers, they're going to have to need the support of their parents. That means like, for instance, I was in um, Sweden, in Stockholm. And I was with my friend for her birthday party. And one of her friends um, had an autistic child, as according to what she said and what the doctors had diagnosed. And her child would get up on the sofa, climb on the edge, climb to, on the window seal, and then slowly um, edge himself across the window seal and then jump down and then do it again. And then again. And then again, and then again. And she said to me, you know, I can never get his attention. He, he, has, he doesn't respond. I can't get his attention. And I said, watch this. So I jumped up on the couch, climbed to the edge with him while he was in front of me. And then I went across the window seal and then did the same exact motion that he did with his body and then jumped down in the same exact way. And the moment I did, he looked at me and stared at me. Now, why? Was it because I followed him? 
or was it because I went into his world? You see, those who are diagnosed autistic, they are diagnosed with autism, but they're not acknowledged in understanding about what it is. And there has been so much uh, just amazing, miraculous breakthroughs when it comes to shamanism. Because in shamanism, we look at things very differently. For instance, if a child is operating in a repetitive pattern, there's an energy there that they're looking for, something that they're seeking to find out. And in seeking to find that out, they're learning the relative responses of that energy by following what we call a pattern record, meaning they're recording the pattern and doing it over and over again, looking for a response within that space. That means they're in their own dimension. And if you're a parent, the best way to be able to get into that space is to go into their world. This isn't just for kids who are diagnosed autistic. It's kids in general. You see, children see patterns. They operate in structures and patterns that they see, frequencies, energies. And when you access those patterns with them, they trust you. They see you because you're going into their world. Whereas most of the time, they're always subjected to your world. And when you're dealing with a a child who's hypersensitive and has high sensitivity, meaning sensorium is super high, they're the way that they're inputting information is very different from the way that you're inputting information. They're picking up on signals faster than you can imagine. And so what we call a behavioral program is no more than them just being able to pick up on signals faster and react to them and then wanting to figure them out because your world is dictating to their world and your world seems a little bit aggressive. And so they stay in their own world. Now, of course, you know, coming along with the idea of, you know, releasing energy, a lot of autistic children, which we don't know, have a high sense of empathic energy, meaning they can sense the different variables of energy frequencies that are happening within every person, as well as in the town they're living, as well as in the state or country they're living and residing in. And the energies that are not being utilized, meaning utilized in the sense of being held onto, but not expressed, they begin to be what we call a giant antenna for that expression. And they begin to express it by screaming or acting out, which, of course, in the understanding of the medical world, you would call that Tourette syndrome. But in fact, what it is, is understanding the emotional empathicness that they're experiencing. They're understanding the emotional input of information and data that is coming in at such a degree of frequency that they do not understand it and it creates an overload in their system. And to release the pressure of that overload, you see a response, a response that comes out of their being. Now, if it comes out with words, that's because they've heard something and they've attributed that word to that response. So it could be someone who has Tourette syndromes who's operating from a, you know, constantly repeating fuck, 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 or shit, shit, goddammit, shit, goddammit, shit, goddammit, right? It's because that word is what's connecting into that space of release, and that release is coming out with the shit, goddammit, shit, goddammit, shit, goddammit. But the thing is, it doesn't matter 
about the situation, what matters is that means that they're overloaded. They're overloaded. And any take disorders too is an overload of the central nervous system, an overload um, inside of the uh, your your syntax nerves, an overload in your environment. Now, the environment cannot be conducive to them. And that could be the reason why they're having a tick. For instance, they feel too much pressure on them, expectation on them. They feel it from their family because they're, remember I told you, people who are usually... Um, uh, diagnosed as autistic in the Western world are empaths. Now, I'm going to say that again. They are empaths. An empathic person is someone who can pick up on emotional frequencies that are not being expressed. Okay? So if they pick up on so many emotional frequencies that are not expressed, they go into overload and their nervous system goes into overload. And when they go to speak, their words become like ticks or they might get a tick in their eye or they might get some kind of disorder that happens in their body because their body is, is wanting to figure out how to deal and how to get rid of this pressure and maintain this energy when they're picking up on everyone around them being so stressed out, have so much anxiety, anger, frustration, pain from their past and so forth. And they're picking up on all of it. So it's a sensory overload. And when I say sensory overload, I mean sound visual and kinesthetic. That's AVK. That's audio, visual, and kinesthetic. Most people who are diagnosed with these things are not being looked at in the way that they need to be looked at. And in shamanism, we look at AVK as a huge component to one's health and well-being, such as the ability to hear, overstimuli, overstimuli of the audio chain or the audio range, right? How much information and sound is coming in and at what level is that sound coming in? Is it, you know, I've worked with some um, children who've been diagnosed autistic and I play classical music, you know, and all of a sudden their energy shifts. It keeps them in this very calm mode. Sometimes I play the sound of whales or the sound of ocean, you know, the sound of just a rain, you know, and it just changes their whole entire being. And, you know, and I've had situations where, you know, there'll be loudness that is being um, projected in an environment. So, for instance, you know, uh, one of the things that I've noticed a lot with autistic um, children is that if they are getting bombarded by the TV being on all the time, radio being on, EMF waves, all of these things are affecting them. And that's the, way, the best way to really begin healing an autistic diagnosed kid, right? Or anyone who has any type of disorder, be it OCD, ADHD, any of these things is taking them into nature to create a synthesis that is filled with the natural nature frequencies, not distorted by any technology, such as cell phones or any type of that type of things that you see that are man-made things that are created to create distractions energetically but to put them into an environment where they're only experiencing nature, sand, rock, stone, water, trees, earth. It's very important. Another thing that really supports them is getting them into what we call a lower frequency tone of, of sound. So drumming. You know, drumming is a wonderful way to bring that kind of energy inside of them and start bringing balance into those who are having those types of situations. So for me, I used to be super, super like 
always OCD. Everything had to be lined up perfectly. Everything had to be straight. Nothing could be wrong. And that was my only way of taking back my control of the parts of me that I felt were out of control by the people around me who were not in control and were acting a little bit crazy, such as my stepmother and my dad and the family from Hawaii and everyone included. Because the amount of chaos that I felt in that environment or in that energy was not supporting me and the type of person that I was and am. And I am now, but however, I've created more, uh, how do we say, um, I've created more tools and more safeguards for my well-being to not be affected by those things as I was when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, it was really intense because I have all these superpowers that are fully like awakening and coming into their own and no way at all am I able to understand the intensity of energy that's happening around me. So the way I got my power back was being OCD. It was a way that I get to control something. I get to keep it this way. I get to make it this way. I get to wash my hands when I want to and I can wash it again and again or if I had fear of germs because I felt like the environment was dirty or whatever, I can now maintain my control over things. And that's a lot of the reasons why And we'll get more into that when it comes to eating disorders and so forth, which we'll be talking about as well. So when we're looking at autism, when we're looking at these um, these situations, you have to understand when you're talking to the Western world and they're saying, oh, well, your kid is depressed. Well, of course they're depressed. Look at the world they're in. I mean, it's no, no, no wonder why they're depressed. I mean, for one, parents are constantly harboring energies and emotions inside of them other than joy, happiness, and freedom, love, and, you know, and just lifting and shifting. A lot of parents harbor energies of stress from, from, their, from their, the skill that they engage in in life. They're harboring, you know, emotions from their relationship, emotions from the people they met and connected with. What you cannot, when you're around a sensitive child that that you consider to be autistic or any uh, child that you consider to have some form of mental um, uh, situation such as, let's not even go with autism, let's go with, you know, bipolar, you know, let's go with, um, with manic depression, you know, um, all um, these issues, right, are all brought on by high level of synthesis in their body, which is one, right? Also recognizing that they are empathic, okay, which it's unfortunate that I don't see the Western world doing a lot of that. They, you know, a lot of the symptoms that people, that children go through is anxiety disorders, you know, we have ADHD. This is a condition typically including the symptoms of difficulty in paying attention, hyperactivity, impulsive behaviors, you know, and some children with ADHD have symptoms that are all of the categories that I just mentioned to you. I mean, it's, it can be, you know, a lot, you know, uh, autism spectrum disorder, which is ASD, right? Which is autism spectrum disorder. As I told you before, it's, um, it's all about the disorder that happens within certain neurological processes, how they're actually experiencing an understanding the world in which they live. Some kids have eating disorders, right? That go into anorexia, that go into bulimia, that go into nervosa, that goes into binge eating. All of these things, which can be life-threatening illnesses, but don't have to be if we understand what's happening and what's going on, right? 
And then, of course, there's mood disorders. Mood disorders can be depression, bipolar. You know, it's a child gets a persistent feeling of sadness or extreme mood swings. And what we consider normal in society, which is really funny and hilarious, because what we consider normal moods, what I consider as, as a shaman would be abnormal moods. Because most people think that normal moods means like being even killed. But in fact, when you're living in a world where there's war, where there's rumors of war, where there's terrorism, where there's people being shot, where people lie in their emotions, they hide their emotions, they're not telling the truth about how they really feel. You're told you're not allowed to tell the truth about how you really feel because then you're considered weird or crazy or different. You're not allowed to talk to yourself, to engage in yourself because you're considered crazy for talking to yourself. You're not okay to be the type of person that you need to be unless you're fitting into a box or a system or an idea or some structure that was built in order for you to get acceptance and love. So I'm sorry to say, but the reality is that a lot of these things that that people are looking at in the very medical world, they're not considering all the variables that shamans look at. And the, also the thing is, is that you can't imagine, you can't say, oh, well, this is normal and this is not normal. And so because of it, you know, you're bipolar or you have depression. I mean, if we look at the, the census of these things, it's not correct. And then I must be someone who's completely crazy because my moods are not normal in the sense of normal because I am very honest about how I feel about things. And I say it and I let it out, but I use the template of love in which to express it. Now, Here's the thing. Sadness and depression come on from the idea of feeling like you have no ability to understand what is hurting you. You don't know what's hurting you. And how can you know what's hurting you in a society that teaches you not to know about yourself, but to know about how to pass your grades and get good and get good um, relationships with people in school and be competitive in sports and go out there and win trophies and get awards and be re and rewarded so you can go to a good college and get a good education and perhaps meet the mate you're supposed to be with so you can make kids and then you go through this whole other process. I mean, how else, how else are you going to know yourself? So if you don't know yourself, chances are depression and sadness will definitely creep in because the idea of removing depression and sadness is a, it's about knowing yourself and understanding how your consciousness can be engaged to open up so that you can clear these types of situations as they show up. Uh, the other one that shows up in kids is schizophrenia. This chronic mental illness causes its children to lose touch with reality. Now, Again, they call it psychosis. What is reality, really? Okay, what is reality? Because as far as I'm concerned, this isn't the re this isn't reality. Nothing is reality unless I make it reality. And the idea that human beings think there's one reality shows me right there that they're so not in reality because you live in a quantum universe and, and that quantum universe is constantly changing based on thought and action. How can someone say something is reality? I don't know why some of the greatest scholars of time have not even considered the magnitude of what they're actually saying. And that, that schizophrenia 
right? Um, you know, people will always say it happens to, to teens and, you know, up into their 20s and so forth. Well, you know what? I was diagnosed as schizophrenic and I was diagnosed as manic depressive and I was diagnosed as bipolar and I was also diagnosed as autistic as a kid. And none of those things apply to me because I kept doing patterns. I was understanding energy frequencies and because I was depressed and had depression, it was because I felt like I wasn't able to be the true me in a world around me that wasn't giving me the tools or the things that I needed to understand why there was so much suffering and pain. Why was there so much war? Why is there so much resistance? And why is there so much hate amongst people when I can feel all of it because I'm a super empath. I'm high empath. Okay. I can feel everything. And so as a kid, yeah, I went in and out of depression. They put me on lithium, lithium. They constantly monitored my levels, where they keep me in a certain mood from feeling emotions. I think that's even worse if you ask me. I'd rather feel the emotion and process it and learn about it than have someone use some chemical that actually makes it so I can't feel it. And I just become this kind of like thing that's there, just experiencing things, but not really experiencing them because you can only experience things through different aspects of your being, which are your AVK, your audio ability to hear, your visual, ability to see and perceive visual input, and your kinesthetic, your ability to touch and experience through touch and connection. So, you know, these are the things that people will say, you know, they, to look for. And, you know, people will say, oh, difficulty in concentrating, you know, difficulty in concentrating. Let's just take that one, for instance. Let's just throw that one on the table, Okay difficulty in concentrating. How can you concentrate in a world where there's so much distraction? They want you to have great concentration for kids when you've got billboards and TV commercials telling you to buy stuff and like, you know, your parents constantly being, you know, um, agitated by what they think they're supposed to be as parents. And so they're also projecting all of their fears upon you and their expectations upon you and all of their stuff that just needs to go away so you can be a kid. And then this kind of like, let me throw you into an institution really quickly and we'll call it PKP and kindergarten. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll say it's a place where kids should go because they're getting to learn how to be with other kids. Yeah, right. Your kids want to be with their parents. They want to be with their family. Then they want to be with other kids when they have enough time with their family. And the reason why kids who are shy and have, and they're shy, I've had people say, Something's wrong with your daughter because she's so shy. And I'm like, oh, really? Really? You think because uh, my friend's daughter is shy, there's something wrong with my friend's daughter? Nothing's wrong with her. It's just that she needs more time with her parents. She needs more time learning how to adapt to the energies that she's picking up on. She's a high empathic child who's picking up on suffering and pain and doesn't feel so safe in this world. And we're not creating safety for her as well. We're not engaging with her, going into her world and finding out what is, is causing these um, feelings in her and how can we support her? Not by asking her to come into our world and explain herself, but we have to do what she likes to do. If she likes to color, we color with her. If she likes to make art and make pictures and paintings and lay and put them on the wall, then we need to do that with her. If she likes to dance ballet, we go into dancing ballet with her. Whatever it is. That's right, dads. Put a tutu on. It's time to get ballet, right? It's like really getting into the truth of it all 
because that way we're really able to step into a greater understanding of what, what's happening, right? And so if we look at substance abuse for teenagers, we realize that the reason why kids are having substance abuse is because they don't have a safety for their emotions. And let's face it, something I learned very interesting about my mother versus other people's mother. So I could go to my mom and say, like, mom, I, you know, smoked this, I drank this, I did this, I experienced this, you know, I, you know, I could be anything. And my mom never judged me. She never made me feel uncomfortable. So I always felt safe to tell her anything. Like until this day, I can tell my mom anything. And I never feel embarrassed or shamed or feeling like I'm breaking some kind of religious law or I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing that's unholy or whatever it is. She's literally my mother. She shows up and she's like, I'm here for you. This is your safe base. With my dad, it was never like that. Everything I said to my dad, I had to wait to see his reaction. It was like gauging his reaction. And that's the reason why he didn't learn so much about me because I couldn't share with him the things that I wanted to share. And so until I actually built a relationship, so until I had a relationship with my mom, which came later, I was had a substance abuse problem. I drank alcohol, I smoked pot, and I smoked cigarettes with my friends after school. And all of them had the same issue because face it, I mean, you know, literally, I remember one of my friends got caught masturbating and her the mom literally went into hysterics, so much hysterics that he literally called me on the phone and was like, what am I going to do? I feel, I can't even be honest with my family. They're always saying, oh, you can come to me and talk about anything, but they're liars. You can't talk to them about anything. My mom caught me masturbating and now all she does is keeps going back like, oh, remember when you were in the room? That was so devastating. It's like, stop reacting to your children. If you want your children to get better... And if you want your children to feel safe enough to come to you and you want your children not to be shy, not to have substance abuse, not to have drug problems, stop reacting and start engaging. Start coming from a place of a person who's non-judgmental and who's not reactive and is here to walk with them on the journey and learn from what they're learning and share with them your wisdom as you see them presenting it to you. Do not go into that attitude like, I have to fix you because the thing is not about fixing them. There's nothing about fixing. There's nothing broken. It's about there's an energy uh, that is not in alignment because another energy is not in alignment because another energy is not in alignment. What does that mean? That means that they don't have coping mechanisms to deal with their emotions, what they're feeling, what they feel they want to express, what they feel they need to share with you about themselves that they don't feel safe to do. So they go to substances and like alcohol and drugs and look for escape from the world of nonsense that they feel is nonsense. Like if you ever sit down with a teenager and ask the teenager like, why? They go to a rager party and get completely smashed. It's because what they tell me is to blow off steam, to get away from this horrible world, to, you know, they, they're so stressed out in school. They feel all the expectations from their family. You know, the list goes on. One kid told me because I was molested as a kid, but I didn't feel safe enough to tell my family because they're constantly reactive. You know, it's a multitude and a myriad of things. And it's all based upon the family structure or the tribal structure. And when in a tribe, when someone comes in a tribe and says, oh, 
Well, well, like for instance, like we don't have autism in shamanism, just so that you know, and we don't have bipolar and we don't have ASD. We don't have schizophrenia. We don't have anxiety disorders. We don't have any of these things because when there's a shaman in a tribe, okay, the shaman is there to be able to sit down with the tribe, not just the person who's, who's showing signs of symptoms of these types that in the Western world, they feel that it requires medicine and a lot of other things that I just don't agree with. I'm not saying that it can't support you. What I'm saying is, is that it's better to get to the bottom of the source than it is to just deal with the symptom and then try to live your life. And when I say try, I mean try in the sense of try to live your life because you're not really going to be living your life because the symptom is always going to be there because the source of the symptom has not been corrected. So, when we get into the understanding of like eating disorders and all this type of stuff, first of all, all eating disorders are, are someone feels like they have something that's taking their power away. And the only way they can get their power back is to create some form of distortion within their behavior. And an eating disorder or cutting themselves with a razor blade or hurting themselves in some way by pinching themselves or pulling their hair out is all associated to for them in two ways. One, punishment. Punishment comes from the idea of cutting yourself and pulling out your hair and causing any physical um, hurt or abuse or attack upon yourself comes from the idea of punishment. Now, punishment can come from many things. It can come from your spiritual beliefs that you've placed around your kids. If you're a religious person and you made them believe that God could hurt them, that's enough for them to hurt themselves and destroy themselves and get rid of themselves off the planet. That's enough for them to create cancer. That's enough for them to create some kind of illness inside of them, be it mental or physical, to get them off of this rock. And secondly, if you really want to get into it, um, these eating disorders and patterns can also come from the fact that you as a parent are holding in a lot of lies and a lot of emotions and you're not living truthfully and you're not living authentically and you're not being what you say you are or what you expect your child to be. You're being hypocritical and your children are now taking that energy that you are doing against yourself and playing it out as a disorder. That disorder can be anything from OCD. It can be anything from what you call bipolar, which is no more than people feeling like they have to suspend all of their own truth and their own self-preservation to make everyone else happy around them. And that can come in long on tall orders. That means that it can be a short process where it's just a simple thing as that you keep coming in their room without knocking. Um, or it could be the idea that you are constantly telling them what to do without engaging them as a human being and asking them how they feel about something. Is that something they feel like they want to get into? You know, um, something that you would like to make a request on, you know, having a real conversation with them instead of treating them like you're like they're the family cat or dog, that you're instilling some kind of structure or emotional content around that comes with expectations and comes out and comes with punishments and grounding and all kinds of things taken from them. You cannot treat your children like you treat your dog, Rover, okay? I like the name Rover. I didn't go with any other name. I could go with Dexter, which was, one of my, was my dog when, that helped me when I was in a mental hospital because of committing suicide because I was on lithium. And when I was on lithium, uh, because I was considered manic depressive, thanks to my wonderful counselor who diagnosed me and told my family that I'm manic depressive, I'm schizophrenic, I have all kinds of mental disorders. And in truth, it was just because I was a shaman. 
And the funny thing is my dad knew that and he still went along with it, which really pissed me off because it was like, you knew this and you know this, and yet you still continue to want to be so accepted by the Western world that you're willing to push our family roots away and what grandmother claimed me in this life to be and to honor and to take on and you still want to deny it and go into the Western theory of what you think is happening to me other than recognizing the fact that the structure in which you created for me as a child sucked. Sucked with a capital S-U-C-K. Sucked. And literally was because of your own dysfunctions of not being truthful and honorable to yourself and having integrity and having authenticity and be, and following what you say by walking your talk. So parents, if you're dealing with these types of situations with your kids in the tribal culture, in the tribal setting, it's not, we don't single out the person who has these symptoms. We go to the tribe and see what the tribe is doing that's creating these symptoms. Because every single symptom that takes place in a person is coming from the energy of the environment, emotionally, mentally, all kinds of things. It could be the food that you're eating. I know um, there is a friend of mine whose parents would eat steak and beef all the time and they kept forcing them to eat it when they wanted to be vegetarian. But they kept telling them they couldn't be vegetarian because under their roof and in this house, you eat steak. And this is the way it is. My father ate steak and you're going to eat steak. And so my friend was forced to eat steak and then out of nowhere became this angry person, like angry person, spray painting the school, like throwing chairs in class, you know, disruptive to other students. And he wasn't like that before. He became that way and he became that way because he was angry, but he couldn't feel safe to be angry at home. So he took it out on other kids and became this bully in school. And one day I went to him and at the school I was at, which is Bowditch, And I said to him, you know, what are you doing? Like, this is not you. And he's like, you know, he's like, well, I'm pissed off and I'm, you know, I'm tired of things. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. And I sat down with him and I, you know, and I took him out. You know, we had a drama department where we had this wonderful drama teacher named Mrs. Um, um, Massantino. Massantino, I think it is. Could be wrong. The close name. Anyway. And we went out to where the drama, we sat against the wall with our skateboards. And I was like, dude, look, you know, you're doing crazy things. Like you're, you're beating up on people who don't need to be beat up on. You're acting out. You're doing all these things. What is going on? And he's just like, everything I try to do for myself to live my life in my authentic way, my parents go against it. They tell me I can't do it. They tell me that's not who I am. I tell them I want to do art. I want to spray paint. I want to do art. This is who I am. I need big canvases. I need walls. I need this to express. And they tell me, no, I can't. I have to go to school and I should look at something that's more like being a doctor or a lawyer or this one than the other. They don't let me be who I am, who I came to be. I came to be an artist, Eric. That's why I'm spray painting the school because I'm just at an attitude of like, I don't give a shit anymore. Fuck them. Fuck everyone. And you know what? He was right. But what I had to do was help him to understand what was going on. What I was helping him understand was that he is limiting himself because they are putting all these restrictions and demands and expectations on him. And because of the fact that he doesn't want to eat meat and he wanted to be vegetarian because he doesn't really like the idea of chewing meat. He said it's like annoying chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing this meat in his mouth that he just likes eating vegetables and eating his food. And his family's father's like, this is a meat eating house. It's like, so it's like if you understand that a lot of the behavioral issues that we see today are all brought on because of the tribe. 
when it comes to autistic children. What were you like as a mother when you were um, holding your child in your womb? Were you emotional? Were you erratic? Were you constantly complaining? Were you unhappy that your, that your husband wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing? Were you eating and nourishing and loving and wording yourself up and telling yourself how amazing you are? Or were you harboring painful things that happened to you in your childhood with your parents? Were you harboring emotions and stuff? All of that got fed to your child. And that could be a very reason why your child is following patterns because it's wanting to understand the patterns of things so that it can learn how to get out of its dimension that it feels trapped in. You know, autistic kids are trapped in dimensions and the only way you're going to help them get out is to go into that dimension with them. It's really, really important. So necessary on so many different levels, right? Um, And so we really have to look at you know, these, 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 these types of situations. Now, um, they also exist, not just in, but they also exist in, you know, Asperger's syndrome, you know, um, you know, they also exist in pervasive development disorder, right? You know, also known as atypical autism. All of these things are based upon several factors. It's based upon AVK. So what's going on in their sensory, the fact that they're empathic, what's going on in their tribe, what is the structure of their tribe? What's the structure of their home? And how much engagement do you make with them? And are you helping them understand that they could be master psychics? They could be children who are so intelligent they can see code and they're w- learning the pattern of code. So don't look at them as sick or something's wrong with them. Don't judge them because your world is considered normal because you do normal things you do nothing normal what is normal following the herd the sheep the the sheeple as someone just shared with me recently that their husband calls it sheeple is that what we've become we've become sheeple following what we think is normal when in fact when you're dealing with any of these situations you have to think out of the box in a big way and that's what we shamans do that's the reason why i know there was a there was a story that I, a friend of mine was shared with me, which I was so happy about. And, you know, it was a very powerful story about um, a kid named Rowan Isaacson, you know, and he was diagnosed autistic, of course. He didn't speak, you know, and he wants to go work with the Mongolian shamans, which, by the way, the Mongolian shamans are amazing beings because a lot of them are spirit shamans as well. And because you think shaman, you think, oh, guy wearing, you know, feathers in his head and dancing around with bells on his legs and passing out, dolling out medicines. The Western world has completely bastardized shamanism and made it into this kind of like joke. Shamanism is based on true understanding of development understanding of psychology, anthropology, sociology. We operate in the fields of understanding the body, biology, pathology. We understand how the body system works. We understand the sensory system. We understand why someone actually um, walks a certain way, why they talk a certain way, why they eat the foods they eat. All of these things are based on synthesis, which is a a huge part of our shamanic training. Our ability to observe and to to understand the depths between both the spirit and the physical plane, you know. So the next time you hear someone go like, "Oh, are you a shaman? Do you pass out ayahuasca?" Just look at them and be like, "Educate yourself, okay? Get a book, 
get Shaman Durek's book that comes out next year and educate yourself on what shamanism is because it's definitely nothing what you think it is. And if there's people out there you know who are like thinking that shamanism is all plant medicine, it's not. We operate on so many fields of human consciousness and awareness that have been brought down through generations and lineages of sharing amongst our elders to the next line shaman and the next line shaman. Like for instance, if I take anyone under my belt, these are the things that I teach them. I teach them to understand these things. I pull out anatomy books and teach them, where's the liver? What does the liver do? This is the brain. This is what the brain does. This is the heart. This is what the heart does. This is the pulmonary valve. This is the, this is the cornea. This is the retina. This is what it does. You need to know these things if you're going to be a shaman. You need to know these things if you're going to be a healer. You can't just be a healer all willy-nilly putting your hands on someone doing Reiki and you don't even know what the organ you're Reikiing and why you're putting your hands there. So being aware is acknowledging. And so this story is an story, amazing story because this kid went and worked with these Mongolian shamans and with the horses, you know, and the shamans know how to bring children back from these dimensions and help them to be able to feel safe enough to associate themselves in our world. Because remember, anyone who has any of these types of situations are suffering from not wanting to be in our world. And it can be a myriad of ideas. It could be from, your, from what was going on in the womb. It could be from everything from their environment and the place you choose to live. Like you may have a kid who's born who doesn't belong in cold weather, but you choose to subject them to it because that's where you're from. So you think that's where they're supposed to be from. You haven't checked in them and asked them, is the cold okay for you? And does the cold work for you? And then if not, you know, if you have to live in cold weather, maybe every summer you take them somewhere warm. You know, you got to find that... That, that, that key that unlocks the door so that you understand the depths of the children that you're dealing with. If your child has a substance abuse issue, chances are there's something seriously off in the family structure that no one wants to talk about. If your kid has gone to crystal meth, cocaine, if your kid is constantly smoking weed and every day you see them, they're baked Okay, they wake and bake and they walk around the house and don't clean up and don't do things and whatever. They're depressed or all that is because either one, you're a judgmental parent and you don't know how to just let your kid be who they are and talk to them without reacting or judging or making something right or wrong. Maybe it's your religion that's driving them crazy. Maybe it's the fact that you're so spiritual and you go yoga and you eat chia seed puddings and all these things and they feel that you have an expectation for them to be the same. You're not engaging with them. You're not learning about them. You're not understanding the dimension in the world in which they live in. You know, I had a situation where I have a friend in Turkey and her, she's like, oh, my son, all he does is play video games. He never comes out. He never talks. He never shares with me about school. He never does this. He never does that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. All right. I hear you. And I said, and so what have you done? She's like, well, I tried to get him help. I tried to send him to a psychologist. I tried to do this and that and nothing's helping. I said, okay, give me a couple minutes. I go in the room. I see him play video games. I'm like, hey, can I join you? He goes, you want to join me? I said, yeah. Can I? He goes, yeah. He goes, you play um, football? I'm like, sure, let's play. And so we're playing football and he just starts laughing out of nowhere. And I'm like, him, I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, the fact that you came in here and you're playing video games with me, like, I've never, I never thought that someone would do that. Like, I go, what do you mean? He goes, like an adult, like you're an adult, you're my mom's friend and you're playing video games with me. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what do you, like, what do you think about your mom? He's like, oh, my mom, she's so self-absorbed in who she is. She has no time to, to know anything about us. And I go, what do you mean us? He goes, yeah, me and my sister. I go, oh, okay. 
And I said, you know, um, does that bother you? And he said, yes, it bothers me. And I go, why? What bothers you about it? And he just told me everything from truth. It wasn't sugarcoated. It wasn't like holding it back because he knew I was a part of him. I was on, on his tribe. I was in his tribe because I joined him. You know, there's this amazing movie called What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. And if you haven't seen it, um, it's a very amazing amazing film. Bless Robin um, Robin Williams' heart. I love him so much. And I, it was a big devastation for me to, to, um, to lose him on planet Earth because he brought such joy to my life. Such joy to my life. And it, you know, and all of it is because of, you know, his just, his charismatic energy, you know, but it's just, really being aware of, you know, how we're operating in our lives when people, because he also had depression and so forth. And that probably was going on for a long time. And people probably didn't recognize it because they're like, oh, he's Robin Williams. Everything's good with him. He's great. He's wonderful. The question is, is, was he really? But going back to what I was saying was this amazing movie that he did called What Dreams May Come. And what I like about the movie that relates to what I was saying to everyone about when it comes to kids, when it comes to autism, when it comes to bipolar, right? Because if we look at bipolar, we look at bipolar as an understanding that it's a symptom of feeling that the person has no um, preservation for themselves, meaning all their boundaries and everything they need for themselves is second um, is second place. And so they put everything first place. And then the reason why the pendulum swings to the other side is because now they're part of them that protects them, that sees that they're not able to preserve themselves, needs to get their power back. So they get it back by screaming, getting upset, being upset, shutting down, going into depression, the list goes on, right? And so once you understand that, you get a greater understanding of like what's happening, right? But the thing is, um, it's really important. But I want to share with you um, excerpts from the movie, What Dreams May Come. And I really do hope you you go and want to listen to it or, you know, the, to see it and to experience it and so forth. Because I think it it's really going to help you to kind of understand everything that I'm speaking about. Um, when it comes to really going into someone's world and being able for them to see you once you're in the world so you can pull them out. And it's a very important thing for healing, especially in shamanism. We take it really seriously. And when it comes to entering into someone's world, um, and it's really important. So, you know, I can't um, stress to you how important it is to, to really step out of your comfort zones when it comes to dealing with your children, when it comes to dealing with drug abuse or alcoholism, when it comes to dealing with any kind of situation you may be dealing with for a child or for a teenager, for a young adult who may be going through difficult situations and, um, and really kind of understand like how to be able to get into that space and and, and maintain that awareness of whenever you see these things happening, realize that it's it's not just the kid, it's the tribe. It's it's there's there's a, a, a pattern that's that's being created and you have to figure out what that pattern is by engaging in it, right? So it's really important. So I'll read you uh, one of the things from Dreams May Come. They think of suicide as a quick route to oblivion and escape far from it. It merely alters a person from one form to another. Nothing can destroy the spirit. Suicide only per per 
participates a darker continuation of the same condition from which the escape was sought, a condition under circumstances so much more painful. So when talking about suicide, right, why do people commit suicide? Which is interesting that Robin Williams was in this film and he didn't really get this part. But suicide basically comes from the idea that you want to escape from this idea of reality that you're in and to bring yourself into an idea of being in something different from what you're experiencing because you don't have coping mechanisms and you don't feel that you're able to have people who will be able to help you get out of that place of that reality because no one is going in to be there and be able to operate you from that place. Um, so if we, if we recognize that, we recognize that people go into those places because they don't feel that there's any other path for them, no other road for them, or that their senses are so completely overloaded by stimuli of negativity from the fact that they don't feel the support that's available to them because they feel everyone around them is reactive and judgmental, then how else would you reach out your hand to reach another person's hand and say, I need help. I'm in pain or I'm scared or I can't handle this world or I feel judged or I feel this or I feel overloaded or I feel I don't matter or that no one cares about me and I should just die. You see, all of that comes from the place of us feeling that we don't have that ability to move into a space of recognizing that support can only come for those who are non-judgmental and those who are open to listen and engage that person in the world that they're in. This is when we really, truly, and when I say really, truly, can create that space. So the thing is, when we're dealing um, with, you know, mental illness we have to understand that the mental illness is not a mental illness it's a life illness so it's an illness that's happening on earth in life an illness that has a source that no one has been willing to go into and one of the reasons why i feel very strong in ancient wisdom today podcast and the shares that we bring to you as a tribe is because i'm willing to go into them and i'm willing to go if you're willing to go with me and let's figure this stuff out because enough is enough right so any mental illness everything is mental right so your perception of life is mental the way in which you perceive things is mental is a part of your perception right and your reaction is all mental as well and it's all so same with your environment and everything else so everything is mental and and when we operate from this field of consciousness and we operate from understanding autism and we operate from the understanding of bipolar and we operate from the understanding of OCD and ADHD and all of these different symptoms it's all mental but what's driving it is the combining elements of family, friends, environment, you know, um, food. Because I can see a lot of hyperactivity in a kid who's just been constantly eating sugar and so forth are being um, subjected to a bunch of food that is toxic and has all kinds of byproducts in it that really is affecting their entire system and you know balance of their system and the way that their body is being able to process information. And remember, I guess I explained to you, a lot of illnesses and mental illnesses are also coming from being empathic, which is not talked enough about dysfunctional empathy, where we actually take responsibility for the emotions of other people, the emotions and sufferings that are happening on earth, and the emotions that are being stuffed and denied inside of our parents and our friends and our guardians and our family that are not being spoken about, and also the ability to feel safe 
Feeling safe is the ability to know you're not judged, ridiculed, shamed, or any of these things for being a human being that is here growing and learning like the rest of us. I don't care if you're a religious person or if you're a Muslim person, a Christian, Buddhist, whatever it is, to ever inflict your religion or spiritual belief onto your children and to make them subjected to the ideas and doctrinations of that belief is so downright disgusting and not fair because you're literally saying to them, I'm going to basically judge you through the gaze of this spiritual identity that I've chosen for myself without giving you your own space to choose that which is necessary for you as according to where you are in your evolution and what you have come to this planet to experience as a whole. Just because you're Buddhist doesn't mean your kids need to be Buddhist. And just because you meditate doesn't mean your kids should be meditating. You can invite that into their lives and engage them with it and share with them the benefits of meditation and ask them if they want to be a part of it. But if your kid says, no, I'd rather not be a part of it, then give them their space or get into a conversation to help to understand why they don't want to be a part of it. Perhaps there's something that they don't like about it that you can help them bring more knowledge to, which will then allow them to feel comfortable in engaging in it. So that's really important as well. And then getting into that space of like, I'm not going to sit here and just pretend that my world is the most important world. But I'm also going to look at my children and the people around me, and I'm going to engage in their world as well and not be so caught up in like, my world is the only world that matters. And the fact that I drive you to dance class or to soccer practice or to football or whatever it may be that your kids are engaging in that you think you're this super cool parent and you get the super award for a best parent because you're constantly taking time out of your life to engage by driving them somewhere instead of engaging with them in doing it. Big difference. Like if your kid is playing video games, and you haven't picked up that controller, chances are your kid is not acknowledging that you are not in their tribe. And even though you may think your kid thinks you're in the tribe, I guarantee you if I came to your house, I'd find out that you're not. Your kid is not in the tribe. And that's, that's, that's not a good place to be when you're a guardian or a parent because that means your kid doesn't trust you because you're all about you and you're not about them. And the only way you're showing up for them is by telling them what to do, doing your homework with them, making them dinner and driving them to practice. Not a good fit. No one wants to wear that outfit because that outfit literally is monochrome and it is boring and no one wants to feel that way. It's not necessary for a kid to have to figure you out where they're the ones who just came to earth. I think it's important that you actually figure them out and realize that it's kind of time to add some color into your life just as much as they're adding color into their life. So get into that space of engagement. It's so important and it's so necessary for you to be able to really, really gain the trust of your children. And if your kid has a drug addiction and so forth, and you keep yelling at them and getting mad at them, you're increasing the darkness. Knock it off, negative um, Nancy. The thing is, is if you're screaming and yelling at your kid because you caught them doing drugs or they're doing drugs or whatever, you're basically taking a double negative on them, which basically means that they want to understand what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. You know, forgive them. They not know what they do. Well, it's true. They don't know what they're doing because they're children and they're supposed to have guardians and families members of the tribe, right? The tribe to 
you know, to usher them, right? You know, they say you don't raise a child alone. It's the tribe that raises the child. Well, it's the people who come to your home, your friends, your family, your uncle, your aunt. All of these people are just as responsible for how your child is developing. So if you have a bunch of negative Nancy's all the time coming over to the house complaining about how come they couldn't do this and how come they couldn't do that, all of that is affecting your tribe or your family. And you know what it is? It's unnecessary poison. And if you really need to have that kind of relationship with friends where you want to hear them bicker and complain about everything while you're having a cup of tea or rolling yourself, you know, some dough and making some cookies or whatever it may be that you're doing at home with your friends and while your kids are playing in the other room, trust me, your kids have certain hairs in their ear that allow them to hear things a little bit more fine-tuned than you do if you're older in age. And that means what? They're picking up not only on the sound tones, they're picking up on the body language and they would and they're also picking up on the empathic energy that means that which is not spoken and felt so if that is the case then get your negative Nancy's out of the house. If you feel you need to have a negative Nancy as a friend or a family member, or maybe it's your mother-in-law, or maybe it's your mom or your dad or whoever, get them out of the house away from your children because your children are picking up on those synthesis and they're picking up on all that negativity and taking it into their bodies. And then because they have these little fragile bodies and they don't have the tools to fully understand why they feel the way they do, now your kid is all of a sudden bipolar. Now your kid is having learning disability at school. Now your kid's not getting good grades. Now your kid is having all kinds of situations situations. And you know what? It's because the tribe is not lifting the child the way it needs to be lifted. And if your kid is doing drugs or drinking and lying to you about it, that's because they don't feel safe with you. So don't get upset and be like, I can't believe my daughter lied to me. She used to trust me for everything. No, she never did. Because if you weren't engaging with her in the way that I told you to engage, chances are your daughter actually sees you as a foreign alien and really is going to lie to you so she doesn't get in trouble. Because she knows that's the only thing that's going to happen when she engages with you is either you're going to tell her something that you want her to do or she's going to get in trouble for something she didn't do. But it's never a conversation like two people talking and saying, hey, you know, I have this situation. I can't stop sleeping with, with men. And your daughter's like, your, your daughter, you know, the mom goes, what? What do you mean you're sleeping with men? Well, yeah, I, I slept with my boyfriend and then, you know, I had another friend over. You know, kids do those things, you know. Don't think your kids are like not doing these things. They are doing these things, but don't you want to know about them? Well, if you want to know what your kids are doing and you want them to be able to tell you everything and anything, like when the first time they ever drink or the first time they ever do a line of Coke or whatever, the best thing for you to do is to be a non-judgmental parent and let them know that from the very beginning. You can talk to me about anything. There's nothing you say to me will ever get me a reaction out of me and nothing will ever make me not love you. When they feel unconditional love, non-reaction and able to feel safe to be who they are through their life experience, of growing on earth, you're going to have healthy kids who are willing to share with you and then you can bring your wisdom and knowledge to them in a loving way which will help them guide them and give them direction in their life. And if you're dealing with a kid who's autistic and is stuck in a loop or a pattern or going into some temper tantrum, the reason why they're temper tantrum is because you're having a temper tantrum but you're just not showing it. They're picking up on your synthesis, they're picking up on your empathic energy and playing it out for you. Autistic children are a blessing to certain families if you look at it that way because autistic children are showing you what is incorrect in the tribe and where everyone is so self-absorbed in themselves that they can't even see each other or engage in them in a way that's coming from the heart and where you're not honoring your truth because you're constantly hypocritical and you're holding things inside and not dealing with them. I had one kid that I was engaging with and that kid that I was engaging with had a lot of anger issues. And one day I was invited to dinner at a friend's house. It was her kid. And, you know, and I, I met the father for the first time and this man was angry. You could see it in the way his face was 
crinkling up. You can see it in the way he was carrying it in his shoulders, the way he walked, the way he talked. It was like, I am angry. And now I understand why her son was having anger issues because he was empathically pulling his father's anger out into his own body so that he could one day have a father who's happy, who would play with him and laugh with him and have fun with him. Even one kid went to tell me once, uh, that you know that was um, engaging with me in a session who was only seven years old. He looked at me with his cute little eyes and he said, one side of my head is dark, one side of my head is light. I said, which one is dark and where did it come from? He goes, my dad. I go, which one is light? Where did it come from? My mom. And both of his parents were divorced, but they shared the kid in custody. And every time he went to his dad's place, it was darkness, like times darkness. And so I had to give him tools to be able to manage himself while being in that environment. And that's what we have to do. We have to give, we have to load up, we have to gear up our children with tools and information and love and knowing that they're safe to express and communicate. You know, if you see your kid having an eating disorder such as bulimia or anything where they're, they're eating food or they have any kind of eating disorder, know it's because they're wanting their power back. So what you want to find out is who's taking their power where, where is that happening? Is that happening because the tribe is taking their power? Is it because you're putting too many demands on them? Are you bombarding them? Are you comparing them to other children in the neighborhood? Are you saying, oh, well, look at her. Her kid's doing this and that and the other. I knew a girl that I grew up with in school who had a, a weight problem because her mom was always comparing her to this other skinny girl in school. So she decided to become rebellious by gaining weight and eating and using the food as a way to make herself feel loved. And the food was making her big which made her mom call her fat and it just increased, it increased increased the negative behavior which I call double negatives right and it just made it worse and worse and worse until finally I just had enough and I just stepped in and told her mom like stop like it's you who created this situation because you keep comparing her to all these skinny girls and telling her when she eats you keep telling her negative things like are you really can't you going to eat right now I mean, don't you see how much weight you need to lose? You're not supporting her. What you would say is, I love how your body's always losing weight. I love how you feel safe and you know how beautiful and amazing you are. And just really reinforce the beautiful things that spirit needs to say to another spirit to get something positive out of them. You don't get anything good from negative talk and it's not going to change anything either. So if you're a parent who thinks that grounding your kids, punishing them and yelling at them and getting negative with them is actually changing something, you're actually deepening the wound and you're making it more darker and you're giving dark forces from the underworld more position over your child instead of them being with you, which is where they get the love and the nurturing and the care and the unconditional love, which is what you should be giving them. And if you are an adult that went through the similar things that I'm talking about, then you understand now what is going on. Literally, you know, I have had children who've come with me who've cut themselves with razor blades and done all types of things and shifted them into skills of playing guitar and honoring their music, loving themselves, and getting out of picking up a razor blade ever again. These things are different. You just have to look at it from a shamanic point of view, not from a Western point of view. Western point of view will keep your kids in a very dialed in, drug induced state that would just really suck the life out of them shamanically, you will take your kids on a journey of self-discovery and not just for your kids, but for the tribe, the whole family as a whole. And that in itself can create amazing, amazing results that yield so many rewards. I know that 
We can do it. And I love all of you so much. So remember everything I shared with you because look, it's time that mental illness that we call mental illness has a true understanding of the source and how to deal with the source and bring healing and love and transformation in the source so that we don't have to keep having these things show up and, and acting like we're completely a fish out of water when we find out that our child has been diagnosed with something that we feel we have no control over. It's not about control. It's about education and it's about resource and it's about looking at all available resources for change and transformation. I love you so much, Tribe. And if you're not following me on Instagram, please do or sign up on my newsletter on my website so that you can get involved with all the beautiful classes and teachings and lectures and things that I'm doing out in the world and all the things that I'm sharing and caring and bringing that love to an all-time high. And please leave a message, uh, a review on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast on iTunes. If you haven't signed up iTunes, just sign up just to leave it. It means a lot because the more people see that, the more people read it, the more they join the tribe and and get you know lit and get alive and recognizing that we are powerful beings we are leaders and we're here to lead the message of love so let's lead the message of love non-judgment acceptance and creating a space for all of us to grow in in a beautiful way and until next time see you later alligator bye <laughs>